I am honored to speak with you today about the Gratigrad characteristic of becoming more religious. Much of my Loyola career as an adult has been filled with surreal moments, including being asked to give this talk. When I was a senior at Loyola, I was asked to give this very same talk, and I was the first student to do so when we started having these Gratigrad speeches. As a student and now as an adult, I never would have thought that I would be giving a speech on my personal development with religion. Some of you may not know this, but I was not raised Catholic, did not go to a Catholic grammar school, and actually had never been to Mass before Loyola. While many people's early spiritual lives stemmed from a place of certainty, my beliefs came from a rather different point. In about third grade, most people received their first Holy Communion, followed by a confirmation of their faith in God a few years later. Most children rarely choose to question their faith or validate it through their own personal experiences. My process, however, has been one of constant questioning. I feel lucky in that my mom specifically told me that I was free to explore the idea of religion through my own personal experiences in order to discover what exactly made sense to me. There's a part of this grad, grad description that always stands out to me. It says that a person who is religious understands the relationship between faith and between being a person for and with others. My faith is deeply wrapped up in seeing God through other people and in making a commitment to justice. My sophomore year at Loyola, I went on my first service trip to Camden, New Jersey. Meeting the people of Camden and attending mass through the Romero Center was the first time I felt the presence of God alive within a community. I wondered what made the people of Camden have such overwhelming faith in the face of what seemed like utter hopelessness and despair. As many of you who have had the pleasure of attending a Camden trip or other service trip may be able to relate to this feeling. It was during my first trip that I began to explore this idea of hope despite the enormity of suffering in our world. Oftentimes pain, anguish, and distress can be so great that we think, where is God in all of this? How can I possibly do anything to help? The conclusion I have come to is that perhaps we are not meant to fix everything. We cannot possibly make our world perfect, but there is a sense of liberation in accepting these limitations. This enables us to focus on our true vocation and hopefully use our gifts and talents to address a need in the world. There are times, however, when such suffering has overwhelmed my thoughts and I was unable to see the bigger picture. This has been especially true since March 2020 when COVID upended all our lives and caused so much pain and death. During this time, I honestly did not feel God's presence. I often felt helpless and alone. I was frustrated that during a time when so many people needed our help the most, it was too unsafe to go out and be involved in the community. I did not understand how God could let so much suffering happen. Many believe that questioning their faith somehow leads to a gap in their relationship with God. So how do we reconcile our inevitable doubts when confronted with suffering and injustice? It is here that I am reminded of a woman from Camden named Sue Palermo. I first met Sue as a Loyola student on a Romero Center trip. Sue operated an HIV and AIDS community center where people shared meals and experienced the simple love and company of others. Both of Sue's brothers died from the AIDS virus, and it was their experiences of loneliness and abandonment that inspired Sue to open her doors to the community. As a student, I learned about how the church next door frowned upon the work that Sue did. They could not see past the disease's connection to the gay community, even directly excluding them from participating and receiving the Eucharist. 
I'll never forget how Sue explained how she was able to reconcile her faith and her doubts with her doubts in the church. She always held tight to her personal belief in God and asserted that her faith still persevered despite the flaws and rejection of the church. This discrepancy between Jesus's mission of love for all and the church's exclusion of specific groups of people has always been a source of doubt in my faith for me. Sometimes I wonder if it's just that I'm not being a good enough Catholic, or perhaps maybe there is some room for disagreement between the church and my own spirituality. As I explore my religion more deeply, I've begun to realize that it is when I stop questioning my own beliefs that I have truly become lost in my faith. My faith journey helped me realize that although I may have such questions, there have also been countless times when I've experienced God's love, joy, and grace. Whether it's singing at masses, being part of the global Jesuit community, growing together with the seniors on Kairos retreats, feeling inspired by students who discover a passion for justice on a service trip, or just everyday interactions with you all in the hallways and classes. I do see God's love present in our experiences together at Loyola. When you're a little kid, it can feel as though people spoon feed you all the answers. As you get older and begin to explore your faith more deeply, however, it becomes easier to sit with questions that perhaps you don't always have the answers to. It wasn't until the end of my junior retreat that I finally approached our school president, Father Katsouris, and told him that I wanted to become Catholic. I went through the process of communion and confirmation at Loyola, even having my first confession in the president's office, which was terrifying to say the least. To this day, even as your Christian service director, I do not know all of the scripture stories. Sometimes I'm still unsure of what to say or when to stand in mass, and certainly still have doubts and questions about the church's practices. But what I am sure of is my belief in the goodness of other people, my desire to live a life of service and justice, and my own sense of spirituality. For my confirmation, I chose the name Eda Ford. Sister Eda Ford was an American Catholic Marinal sister who worked with refugees and people experiencing poverty in Central America. In December 1980, she was beaten, raped, and murdered along with three other missionary women by members of the El Salvadorian military. I was angered by her story, inspired by her commitment to service and justice, and moved by her journey and vocation. After my confirmation, I received this letter from Ida's brother, Bill, which I still keep framed in my office. In the letter, he wrote me a touching message of gratitude for choosing her name and a message of encouragement about finding my faith and pursuing my passions. My spiritual journey through Loyola has helped me better understand that developing into a more religious person is a continuous process. Such a journey involves both exploring, questioning, and confirming our beliefs through our personal experiences in order to determine what exactly faith means to us. I will leave you with this quote from Sister Edith Ford's letter to her niece that Bill also gifted me. Quote, I hope you come to find that which gives life a deep meaning for you, something worth living for, maybe even worth dying for, something that energizes you, enthuses you, enables you to keep moving ahead. I can't tell you what it might be that's for you to find, to choose, to love. I can just encourage you to start looking and support you in the search. Thank you.